I went to a wedding um, recently um, where the, the, um, the vicar got upset when people clapped when the couple got married, which was a little bit worrying. Um, but, um, but I just want to say that I, I, I love audience participation, congregation participation. So do feel free at any point to say anything, to join in. This is our morning together. This isn't just me speaking to you. We'll be doing, we'll be doing stuff together. So, so do join in with me. So <clears throat> living the good life is something that I've been sort of buzzing with over the last uh, little while. Um, if I blow my nose, is that going to echo through the whole building? Thank you very much. Uh, that's better. Good. I've been thinking about li- living the good life for, for quite a while. And um, it came out, uh, it's another dream that I had. Um, and, uh, well, I had on this occasion, not, not my wife had. And, and it was about, about um, eternity. And, and, it, and I had this dream that, you know, there's all this stuff that we're going to do in eternity when we're with God in, in heaven. And... It just made me think about life now. So if I'm going to be doing that then, and that's what heaven is about, then why aren't I doing it now? If, if those are the things that are of eternal value, then surely if we bring those things of eternal value into our, our present, then it will make the life that we are leading much more relevant, much more uh, focused on the things that really, really matter and create a good life for us. Because we can go off, we can do all sorts of things with our lives. We can spend our time doing all sorts of things. But what is it that we really ought to be doing to allow ourselves to lead a good life? And um, one of the things that people who know me well will know is that I've got a bit of a thing about sheep. So... It's not, it's not just dogs. I, I've got a, a real thing about sheep. And um, so, um, please don't judge me. Um, but I, I am constantly brought back to the, the, to the sheep scriptures, to the, to the fact that there is so much in the Bible about sheep and about shepherding. And I want to put the, uh, the, the, into the, the context of, of that what I want to say this morning. So let me pray, and then we're going to read the passage. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you bring us back to your word to find your heart. That it's in your word that we find you. Where we find uh, what it is that you would have us do. What it is that you would have us be. How it is that you would have us live our lives. And so Lord, would you speak to us this morning as we enjoy your word. As we enjoy one another. And as we learn more about you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, first of all, I just need to... Oh, hang on a second. It's, I'll just put that down there for a sec. Um, <clears throat> so here we go. John chapter 10. And uh, this is uh, the NIV version. The nearly infallible version. John chapter 10 and verse 1. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, Anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. 
He calls his own by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. And I, do, I guess that we would all like to have full life. We'd all like to get to the end of our days and look back and think, my life was a full life. I did that thing which I was put on the planet to do. And as we go through life, as we come to the end of each week, we think, that was a, that was a great week. I think one of the problems is that our, our experience of full life is that it's too full. There's too much happening. There's too much going on. I remember um, going to um, a, a Bible week a few years ago, and um, I'd bought a tent that you can erect in 120 seconds. And um, I'd practiced in the garden, um, and um, not that I'm competitive, um, but I practiced in the garden, and I'd managed to do it in about three minutes. So I thought, well, that's Okay. Um, I think having practiced, I'll be fine. When we get to the, the Bible camp, I'll get it up in 120 seconds. So I told everybody that I had a tent that I could erect in 120 seconds. We were slightly late getting to the Bible week. And uh, everyone else had already got there, and they'd already set up their tents. And they had left a space in the center of the campsite for me to erect my tent. And so the time we got there, um, they were all sitting in chairs with their glasses of wine, waiting for the entertainment. And I came, I came along, and, and we, we got the tent out, and I thought, yeah, this, oh no, this isn't working. Something's gone wrong. And, and then a bit of it got twisted when I put it away from my practice, and I just couldn't get into this thing. And I, about half an hour... I was, and everyone was laughing and joking. And, and my wife said to me, darling, why don't you stop and pray? I said, pray? Pray? I haven't got time to pray. I'm trying to put a tent up. And life can be a bit like that, can't it? That we get so busy doing the things that we have to do. That, that we've, we've put these stakes in the ground and we've said, I'm going to achieve this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to make this happen. And, and because we've done that, we don't have time to stop. We don't have time to step back. We don't have time to do all the things because our life is so full that we haven't got time for the full life. And so what I think is really important for us to do is just to stop for a moment and think, what does it mean to have this full life, this good life? In the message version of the Bible, in Matthew chapter 11 and verses 28 to 30, Eugene Peterson uses these amazing words. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. 
Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't that amazing? Isn't actually that what we want? That we want that sort of life? Get away with me. You'll recover your life. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Watch how I do it, Jesus says. And it's interesting that Jesus so often uses the example of a shepherd when he says, watch how I do it. I am the good shepherd, he says. And we look at all sorts of people in Scripture, all sorts of contexts in Scripture, which are all about shepherding. There's a lot for us to learn about how we live our lives. So this, this good life, it's a, it's a desire for what the Greeks called eudaimonia. It's about, it's about human flourishing. How do we flourish as human beings? When the founding fathers of the, of the USA um, wrote the Declaration of Independence and they talked about the pursuit of happiness, it's exactly what they meant. See, so often we can think, well, I'll, get ha- I'll, I'll be happy if I do all these things. I'll be happy if I get a bigger bank balance. I'll be happy if I get this particular job. I'll be happy if I have this particular relationship. I'll be happy if I support Ipswich Town Football Club. I'll be, these are the things that will make me happy. But actually, they're not the things which will allow human flourishing. We long to flourish. How do we do it? Uh, Matthew Kelly, who is a Catholic motivational speaker, said these very wise words. The world is full of men and women who work too much, sleep too little, hardly ever exercise, eat poorly, and are always struggling or failing to find adequate time with their families. We are in a perpetual hurry, constantly rushing from one activity to another with little understanding of where all this activity is leading us. The world has gone and got itself into an awful rush. To whose benefit, I do not know. We are too busy for our own good. We need to slow down. Our lifestyles are destroying us. And the worst part is, he says, we are rushing east in search of a sunset. Rushing east in search of a sunset. What's it all about? Jesus saw exactly that with the crowds that he looked out. Matthew 9 and verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. So if there are all these references to how to live life in the context of sheep and shepherding, if this is what Jesus is saying to us, then I would suggest it would do us well to stop for a moment and think exactly what it is that he is talking about. I think God is trying to tell us something. And he's using sheep and he's using shepherds to do that. If you look through the the Old Testament, the shepherds there, Abel, Abraham, Moses, David, 
What David learnt as a shepherd, he applied as a king. And Jesus uses that model for us, for life. In Psalm 23, you'll know very well that David says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall want for nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like the good life to me. That sounds like a full life that I want for nothing. Do you know there are, <clears throat> there are 44 different types of Colgate toothpaste? You can stand, I reckon you could probably stand for an hour in front of the shelves in your supermarket of choice and read all of them and try and work out which one you want. Which one is going to make a difference to your life? Is it going to be the one that is particularly concerned uh, for making your teeth, teeth whiter? Your teeth whiter. Is it the one that is particularly concerned for dealing with the sensitivity? The one I've got at the moment is called Deep Clean. Does it make any difference to my life? No. My teeth are a little bit sensitive. As long as I've got some of that sensitive, I'm fine. It doesn't matter to me which one it is. But we have so many choices thrown at us all the time. And all of these advertisers, they say all of these things will make your lives better if you do this or you do this or you choose this or choose that. The philosopher Descartes said that we are condemned by choice. Because we do have so many choices in life and we are tempted by those choices, we can get distracted. We can wander from the path that God has placed us on. We have choices. They're set before us all the time. Choices for blessings and curses. Choices for life and death, we read in Deuteronomy. And so it's important that we make our choices in the context of what Jesus is telling us. God is. And therefore, it's really important that we listen to God. We read through this passage of Scripture. In verse 3 of John 10, he calls us. In verse 4, he leads us. In verse 9, he feeds us. In verse 10, he gives us full life. So why would we not, when we're making our choices, make those choices in the context of God? Oops, a daisy. Those of sorry about that. I hope that comes off. It's a permanent marker now on the van. Um, can everyone see that? Okay. So on this side we've got God, and on this side we've got no God. I would suggest there is, no, there, there is no alternative to those. Either there is a God or there isn't a God. Either God is relevant in our lives or God is not relevant in our lives. There's no, there is nothing in the middle. There can't be anything in the middle. And so if there is a God, then there is ultimate justice. If there is no God, there is no justice, ultimately. I went to Auschwitz earlier this year. One million people commercially exterminated. However, 
long you put someone in prison for, that doesn't, that's not justice. And with, without God, there, there is no justice in that context. There is no accountability. There is no bar before which they will come, ultimately, to face true justice. But if there is justice, then there is also judgment. You can't have justice without judgment. You can't have justice without a judge saying, that's right or that's wrong. That's the penalty for doing what you have done. I can bring judgment into that case if I have the right to do so, God has the right to do so to bring ultimate justice. Are you with me so far? On this side, there is no judgment. If there is a God, then there is life. Because God gives life, God gives full life, and God gives eternal life. If there is no God, then ultimately... There is only death. We know this because we die. We we decay. And so without God, no justice, no judgment, and death. With God, there is hope. We have a future hope. Without God, there is no hope. Because there is only death, no, no judgment, no justice. With God, there is purpose, ultimate purpose. There is a reason for our being. Now, if there is no God, there is no purpose. Now, please hear what I'm saying here. Of course, it's a good purpose to care for people. It's a good purpose to bring up your children well. It's a, it's a good purpose to, to live a life which benefits those around us. But it's a relative purpose. It's relative to our own understanding of what it means to be human beings. If you take God out of it, then all purpose is relative. It's not ultimate. You put God into it and there is an ultimate purpose. So we have a God who gives us advice and tells us how we can live a good life. But there is a danger that we believe this but live like this. And so, we end up living not in the sheep pen or outside the sheep pen, but sitting on the fence. And this is a really uncomfortable place to be. And ultimately, it is a place which is not going to assist us or help us. You know, if we're going to conclude that there is no God, let's live life as if there is no God. Nietzsche was an honest atheist. And he said, if there is no God, therefore, there, there is, you can't have Christian morality, you can't have a purpose. Or if there is a God, and this God is revealed to us in Jesus Christ, if Jesus really is God incarnate, if Jesus really is God in skin, and he says to us, I am the good shepherd, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full, then what he says to us must matter. He must know what he's talking about, and therefore following his ways must be the way to find the good life. Oswald Chambers, who I try and read most mornings, Um, 
obviously alongside Nicky Gumbel, um, he, um, he says this, we take a rational view of life and say that by controlling our instincts and educating ourselves, we can produce a life that will slowly evolve into the life of God. But he then says this, we do not reconcile ourselves to the fact of sin. You know, we are sinners not by defect, but by fact. I, was, I once um, went for a walk, and I went round the corner of a field, uh, uh, and there was a bush, a bramble bush, and there was a sheep in the bramble bush. Um, there were some other sheep around in the, in the field, and I was with a friend of mine, and I said, well, there's no, there's no farmer, there's no shepherd around, what are we going to do? He said, well, I don't know what we can do. I said, well, we've got to save the sheep. So I rolled up, dived into this bramble bush, and pulled the sheep out. And I just dropped, not dropped it, dropped it, but put it down on the ground where I was. And you'll never guess what it did. Straight back into the bramble bush. Straight back into the bramble bush. And so I went in again and I got it and I took it out and I put it down on the ground. Straight back into the bramble bush. And so the third time, I went in and I picked up this sheep and I carried it to the other side of the field and put it down and then it went off and joined the, the other sheep. But sin is something that we are pulled back towards. God gives us his direction. He gives us his ways. And we are told, Paul says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Find the right way, find the right path, find the right gate, and go that way. And we need a shepherd to help us do that. And we find that shepherd in Jesus. And so if we follow the ways of Jesus, then we will find the good life. This sin that Oswald Chambers talks about is just us thinking, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to follow my ways, but God's ways are not our ways. Sheep left to their own devices have a serious problem. They'll get all sorts of of problems. The the fleece will get fleece rot. They'll get mange. They'll get ticks. They need looking after by the shepherd. They need to come to the shepherd and and be cared for. Their feet end up getting foot rot. It's Jesus who leads us. It's Jesus who helps us. It's Jesus who takes us on the way that we should go. He goes ahead of us in everything. The good shepherd has already trodden the path that we will follow along. I had the privilege a few years back, actually while I was at um, HTB, of of following a a shepherd in Jordan. Uh, And uh, uh, shepherding in Jordan is very similar to what it would have been in, in the in the Bible. And just to see the way that the shepherd interacted with the sheep was really illuminating. In the sheep pen at the beginning of the day, there were 100 animals. Interesting when Jesus talks about the 99 and the 1. It's also interesting that uh, those animals, some were sheep and some were goats. 
And when the sheep and the goats were in the pen together, you couldn't tell, as you looked from a distance, which were the sheep and which were the goats. Again, interesting when we think about Matthew 25 and the end times when Jesus separates the sheep from the goats. They're all together. And he then released the sheep and the goats from the pen and we wandered out into the desert. And the shepherd knew exactly the route to take the sheep on. He knew exactly how long to leave them eating on each plant. Because if they, if they stayed too long eating on a plant, then it would destroy the plant and it wouldn't be there when they next came round that way. If they didn't spend long enough eating on the plant, then they wouldn't have enough nutrients to be able to survive. And so he left them chewing on these plants just for long enough before moving them on to the next. Left to their own devices, they would have just gorged. But the shepherd led them from one to another. Sometimes we were in open areas. Sometimes we were in really tricky, narrow areas where because the, the, we were so low down and the, the sides were high, there was no sunshine. A bit like going through the valley of the shadow. But the shepherd knew where to take the sheep. And he skillfully took them around during the day. And then we stopped for lunch. And the sheep all gathered together because they are not independent animals. They are dependent upon the shepherd and they're dependent upon each other. And so they stayed together in this group um, whilst the goats all went off doing their own thing. Much more independent a goat. And then he played a tune on his flute and as he did, they all started to draw back in as we then carried on the rest of our journey. And at the, at the end of the day, and we'd met up during the day with, another, with a shepherdess and, and her flock and the, the two had combined. At the end of the day, as we came down the hillside, um, they both called to their own flocks. And each and every animal followed their own shepherd. Because the sheep know the shepherd's voice. They've spent time with the shepherd. It's just amazing to see that and amazing to re remind us how important it is, how important it is to hear the shepherd, to spend time with the shepherd because the shepherd knows, because the shepherd has been before us in each and every way. We read in verse 9 of John chapter 10 that Jesus will bring us in and Jesus will take us out and we will find pasture. He knows where the pasture is. So what's all that about? What do we do with all of that? How does that help us to live the good life? Well, what I want to do in session two is look at some particular ways that we can apply that in our lives. There are all sorts of things that we can do to help us to live the full life, to live the good life, using shepherding and sheep as a, a model. And so I want to build on what I've said in this session, in the next session, and we'll do, there'll be a little bit of work for you to do as well. And it's really important that it's, it's, it's interactive, but I want to spend that time just building the picture of what it is to, to look at the good life in the context of sheep and shepherding.